1: I'm your host, Apps, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us on this Monday. Andrew, aka the Cashflow King, is here, and we're going to have Johnny Crypto joining us later in the show, so I am very excited for today's episode. Today And Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Jay Clayton was caught over the weekend and called out by Brad Garlinghouse, stating the hypocrisy is shocking coming from United States regulators. As the U.S. market is evolving day by day, we're going to show you a clip of Gary Gensler confirming he agrees ETS will be launched in the USA. And with the largest crypto companies on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how these institutions are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is on youtube monday through friday 11 a.m eastern at the 3t warrior academy channel so gonzo with the market moving the way it is i'm going to do introductions just a little bit differently i'm going to kick it straight to you my friend but everybody is talking about xrp this morning and i wanted to break it down very briefly so xrp is currently at 58 cents trading up about five percent on the daily but that's all it takes for the xrp army to get super excited so first of all how are you feeling this morning gonzo and what do you take away from all the price action today
2: yeah, you know, I'm feeling good. How's everybody doing? I hope everyone had a great weekend. Um, yeah, you know, we're getting some bullish price action. I'm still looking at the total like market cap because we're at uh, kind of the all-time high to see if we can finally break that resistance. But um, yeah, XRP is looking pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised if we can get above 62, uh, then it could run a little bit farther. But um, you know, I think Jenna was talking last week about being in a trade, now, getting in at like 54, 55 cents, putting a stop loss there uh has been. Quite, of a, quite a good move. So I'd be taking profit somewhere around 62. But a lot of the cryptos have, uh, have were like broke um, their trend lines and have been running. And so just be very careful, you know, they can be very toppy depending on the project, but they've all had runs, right? Like a lot of the gaming tokens had runs like Gala, 50%, things like that. Solana, dude, Solana is literally almost back to where we were at last breakpoint So they had the developer uh, thing in Amsterdam. Breakpoint, and they're literally, remember, right after Breakpoint is when we had the FTX collapse, and we're literally back at levels where we were before that collapse happened. So Solana has turned out to be quite a a great trade.
1: Well, Andrew Cashflow, we're kicking it to you, my friend, but we already got 227 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. While Gonzo brought up Solana, let's get right into this news after the weekend. As Van Eyck's latest report forecasts, Solana's price in 2030, and Johnny Crypto just joined the stream, so you're going to love this, my friend, anywhere from $10 to $3,200. So the range is is just unrealistic, but I wanted to kick it to you, Andrew. First of all, how are you feeling? And what do you think? Anywhere from $10 to $3,000?
3: Yeah, this has a great range. First of all, good morning, good evening, good afternoon from uh, from the Netherlands here with uh, with a rainy day. Actually, I don't feel so well today. I had a small operation on my thumb and uh, it is uh, yeah it was weird, but maybe I talk less bullshit after this operation. So uh, I think it will be a positive sign. So uh, happy to be here, Johnny, uh, uh, Gonzo, Epps. Um, yeah, let's see, you know. And finally, something happens in the crypto market. We have been waiting for this almost two years and uh, excitement is back. So we can go with the strategies and uh, just follow your strategies and then you're good to go.
1: Absolutely, guys. And we got 255 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, just for the sake of the fact that you're having connection issues, we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of the daily movers this morning, look at this, guys. Green bubbles across the board. Market overall is up about 5% this morning. We've got Solana up 7%, XRP up 4%, AVAX 3%, and Gala Token up 5% on the daily. And this is what I'm excited to show our listeners this morning, guys. Brad Garlinghouse. He's had enough of the SEC's over-regulation of the crypto market. And what's so exciting is the fact that now that this case is over, he's finally being outspoken about the issue. This is a new must-watch clip from CNBC and former SEC chairman uh, Jay Clayton discussing how he thinks the overreach from the SEC needs to be addressed.
4: Let's take this to a a very high level on the regulatory side. What you're hearing from the leaders of the regulatory organizations is if we're not losing cases, if we're not being pushed back on by the courts, we're not doing enough. Think about that for a second. That is a fundamental shift in how we as Americans view the role of the government. I I don't want to be in a place where I know the government is going to bring cases they think they're going to lose. Imagine you're the person who is the subject of that case. Now, see we're talking about they, corporations. Yeah, but, see if they can, and if, if they're not stopped, they're going to, yeah. Right, but this is an ethos now, which is, yeah. you know, unless we're losing, we're not bringing enough cases, you know, that may be fine for private litigants against each other, and, and think about, but when you have the power of the state, and you're, you're supposed to only bring cases and only make rules that you think are going to pass judicial muster.
1: This is what's so funny, guys. You listen to that clip and you're like, wow, I actually agree with Jay Clayton. He's making some great statements here. Well, don't worry. Brad Garlinghouse provided a dose of reality in the comment section here. And he said, watching this clip makes my blood boil. The hypocrisy is shocking. CNBC and Squawk Box should be calling him out on his bullshit. As a reminder, Jay Clayton brought the case against Ripple, me and Chris Larson and left the building the next day. So Johnny Crypto, I'm kicking it to you. There was a lot said in that clip, but shout-out to Brad Garlinghouse for calling out the BS. How are you feeling this morning?
0: Thanks for being here. Oh, man, I'm having a lot of technical issues. so I don't even know if you can hear me, but if you can, good morning to all the Wormaniacs and to Gonzo and Andrew. Good to see you guys. Uh, but, yeah, the hypocrisy is off the charts over there. I mean, Clayton Clayton dropped a bomb on him before he left. I mean, so Clayton and, – and I get it. I guess Clayton's probably thinking that maybe that was one of the cases he thought they could win. And it was real. I, I don't know. But, yeah, if I was Clayton, I, would, I wouldn't I would have even said that because, boy, it just, it just doesn't sit well for sure considering what he did right before he walked out the door.
1: Well, although I agree with his statements there, Gonzo, I love what Brad Garlinghouse had to say in the comment section. I want to read it one more time before I get your response. He listened to that video and he said, this makes my blood boil. The hypocrisy here is shocking and CNBC and Squawk Box should be calling Jay Clayton out for the bullshit. As a reminder, Jay Clayton brought the case against Ripple Me and Chris Larson and left the SEC the very next day. Floor is yours, Gonzo.
2: Yeah, I mean, the hypocrisy is like off the charts, but what do you expect from like the SEC, you know? I mean, considering that he's mentioning like what happens with these companies when they get sued, that's exactly what he did to Ripple. Like there was no fraud involved in that. And the fact that they took it a step further, right, and tried to go like, um, you know, we know that's gone away now, but like they charged them specifically, right? It wasn't even about charging Ripple. They went after Brad Garlinghouse and Chris Larson, right? Which is kind of strange in itself because it didn't involve fraud. Usually when they go after an individual, it's because they have uh, like a prob- probable cause, right? They think that they've committed some type of fraud, but it wasn't even like that. A- and the fact that the media just kind of gaslights them and they never challenge them on the fact that he, you know, triggered this lawsuit, right? But, you know, what do you expect from him? Like, you know, he was involved with Bill Hinman and Gate and everything that happened, because remember when that video, I don't know if it's still on the SEC website, but he would give speeches, Jay Clayton would, and he would talk about, like, you know, for more clarity, look at this speech, right? He, he would refer to the speech that was on the SEC website. So, dude, it's hypocrisy, it's corruption, but like, what do you expect, right? I, I don't expect anything less.
1: Andrew Cashlow, give me your take. And then I'm about to show a video of Brad Garlinghouse and the innovation that's taking place today. He's discussing how for the first time ever, retail is front-running institutions and people like us are going to make it a massive amount of wealth due to that fact. But before we get into it, what's on your mind, Andrew?
3: <laughs> I thought Jay Clayton also needed an operation on his tongue. But, you know, for me, this, this 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 guy, he is such a yeah. Sorry to say, a loser. You know, to to start a lawsuit and the day after you 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 you, you leave the organization. So you give the the the, the shit you give to a uh, 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 Gary Gensler, who actually happily took the shit, and and then he's is starting to do do the stuff, and then this this Jake Clayton almost does like. He doesn't understand and he doesn't know and it's you know it, it indeed this this is corruption and I'm happy with with uh, with with with, uh, with Ripple XRP Gary Gensler uh, with uh, um, uh, with with these guys that that at least put some pressure in 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 front of the SEC you know and lost that that uh, the 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 retail is front running the major institutions you know this is inevitable because in in the past you needed a lot of equipment and stuff to 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 build something which was only a possible for major companies nowadays everybody with a, with a, with a laptop or with a computer and and, and and a screen can can build stuff and this goes so fast and even with the with the open source communities within software i think it's hardly imp- possible to keep up the speed that that major companies used to have to be front runner of, of the of of the normal public so we we ain't seen nothing yet and it will go faster and faster and faster because also ai will become available for the public and a lot of people are afraid for AI I'm not you know it will give also the power tools to the to the public at least to defend our position and, and, and get at least the control over, over our own money. And that, that's what it's all about.
1: Absolutely, Andrew. I couldn't agree with you more. And there's a $2 billion investment that just happened into AI over the weekend. But Gonzo, I want to kick it to you for a different approach to this video before we move on. Think about this aspect of it. Jay Clayton is representative of who's putting money in his pockets. And what this tells me is the people who are paying Jay Clayton are ready to be optimistic about this technology what do you think? He's calling out the SEC's overreach and we already addressed the hypocrisy. What do you think about that second aspect of it? The people who are funding Jay Clayton are now undergoing a fundamental shift.
2: Well, yeah, because you know we've always talked about that, that you know once traditional finance got their hooks into these things, that's when we were gonna start to see like regulatory clarity. We were gonna start to see the narrative shift. And we've seen that ever since Larry Fink came out And when did we ever believe that Larry Fink was going to come out and say that cryptocurrency, he didn't say Bitcoin, he said cryptocurrency was a flight to safety, right? He compared it to gold and bonds, right? When did we think we're going to see that? And once he did that, right, it's, it's going to be a continued narrative, a continued narrative. Once we get the spot ETF, we're going to get an Ethereum spot ETF. And then you're going to see the other cryptos, whether it's a group of them, right, or XRP by itself or maybe it's like a group of them together, right? You've already seen Grayscale start talking about kind of different other projects that they want to kind of group together into the next kind of spot ETF. Um, But it's, it's literally that narrative is going to take us into the next bull run.
1: Johnny, And excuse me for that, guys. We got 390 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Everybody's watching the XRP chart this morning. It is not the day to be overly optimistic. We're going to talk about how 2024 is when the price action is really going to come into XRP. And we have the proof about liquidity and money entering this market that's really going to change things for cryptocurrency. And guys, this is what I want to get Johnny Crypto's comments on because that was an important Jay Clayton clip, right? That's not the most important clip of the day. This is the most important CNBC clip of the day. As Jay Clayton was actually being asked about the lawsuit he filed against Ripple, and he followed Gary Gensler's rulebook here, say a lot without saying anything.
4: One thing, because it's, it's something that your critics uh, seem to believe, uh, which is that in your final days at the head of the SEC, the SEC brought a case against Ripple. Uh, now you're advising some other companies uh, in the space and,
1: uh, they point out, I'm getting a low wifi. System, so I'm going to kick it to you. Once this Wi-Fi is back, I'm going to play the remainder of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. we were breaking up badly there. So, uh, I'm really, <clears throat> I think where he was trying to go with was asking or putting him on the spot of, you know, why he challenged him on the last day. So I would love to hear what his response was, uh, if you're back and we're able to hear it, I don't know if you're able to play it or not to finish off the statement, but you know, as we say,
1: You know what? We call it a cheap plug. Let's talk about 2024. I'm, I'm getting low Wi-Fi signals. And for anybody who's new to the program, this is typical for Good Morning Crew. Guys. The Wi-Fi comes in, but in a couple of minutes, it will be right back to normal. And Johnny, let's talk about exit plans for 2024. And I'm not talking about cheap Merlin plugs. I'm talking about our listeners making money in this market. And the only way you can do that is taking profit on the way up. What we're going to show you later in the episode is a clear video from Larry Fink explaining his optimism for 2024, explaining how there's nearly a trillion dollars in government stimulus ready to enter this market. So if that's not an
0: alley oop, I don't know what is Johnny Crypto. But the floor is yours, my friend. And once I'm back, I'll play that video. Well, I think that's huge, as because you know one of the things that you know I try to talk about, I try to remind people all the time that in 2020, people forget that there was a major major stimulus and printing uh, event that happened because of the c-word so they were printing out money like they had never printed before and that money got to go in a lot of places and crypto was one of the beneficiaries of that money and i've always wondered in the next bull run let's hope we don't have another c-word again and we know that the fed is not in the mood of printing it's just the opposite right the printers are turned off so the question is where is the money going to come from and you know the bitcoin ETF certainly would be one liquidity event that would bring it in. But the question is, will the government also have an additional liquidity? event? So um, I'm not sure Larry's referencing and how he already knows that a trillion dollars is coming. But if you got a video and we can hear it, that'd be great because that would be very, very interesting for him to be giving us a signal that far in advance. That that would be very, very, uh, you know, very, very interesting to know how, how he knows so far in advance that that's coming. And I see your signal. Okay, you still can't talk. Your mouse battery died. I get it. Yeah, I'm with you. I got it. So anyway, I you think. Know, Go ahead, Gonzo.
2: No, I was just going to add. Look, um, there's there's money to be made in the market, right? Like uh, I was seeing some comments. Like if you're trying to collect, whether it's Bitcoin you're trying to collect Ethereum, maybe it's XRP that you're trying to collect, right? Um, there there's money to be made where you can get into these swing trades, right? Where like you know we were talking about Solana at 1750. Now look at it, it's at 35, right? You could be pulling profits and then taking those profits and putting them at XRP. Not with like all your position, but with the small part of your your money, do some swing trades and collect what you want to collect. In this case, XRP, right? Because we were talking about render. We gave it to the community at 40 cents. It was like, it's like it peaked out like at $2.70, $2.80, I think this morning. So there is money to be made and you can take that extra money that you make and you can put it into xrp right yeah it's still not like it's some astronomical price right like that that's going to come next year and what johnny's talking about as far as like you know we've seen a pattern of the altcoin kind of bull run really doesn't happen unless like the fed starts cutting rates right in 2019 it was literally like a month after the fed started cutting rates and we were able to get liquidity in the market that the altcoins really started to outperform Bitcoin and really start to take off, right? You think that they're taking off now and we've gotten some pretty good gains, but I'm telling you, it's nothing compared to what could happen once the Fed starts cutting rates and people start getting uh, further down the risk curve, right? You're going to see this stuff really, really run.
1: Thank you so much, Gonzo, and that's why I got the best crew in the game, guys. We are the top crypto research team on the planet, or at least we're on our way there. And We got 429 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I love you guys. Check out this latest video. This is from the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, explaining how $700 billion of government stimulus is going to enter the markets in 2024. Here we go. Okay, hard
4: plan All right, so are you expecting a hard landing or a soft landing in the United States or you just can't project? I would, I do not, we will not see a hard or a soft landing in 2024. Um, The amount of fiscal stimulus that is just entering the economy, which is very inflationary, the CHIPS Act, the IRA and the Infrastructure Act about $970 billion. The largest peacetime non-pandemic moment of fiscal stimulus. At the same time, our central bank is trying to wear up, arrest the economy, and and, and so that's that, that just hitting the J curve.
1: So you heard that right there, Johnny. That's just hitting the J curve. I said seven hundred billion. That is nine hundred and seventy billion dollars of government stimulus ready to enter this
3: market. Andrew Cash, I'd love to start with you, and we'll kick it around the group. You know, and that is a lot of money, nine hundred seventy billion, and. What, what I'm actually a little bit wondering is we, we see overall, we see the stock market a little bit going down. So really anticipating on this news, is, isn't the stock market n- not at this moment? So I'm really wondering what will happen. They always say, uh, um, go away in May, but remember, come back in September. And actually, we are not doing so well with actually with, with stocks. However, crypto seems to be coming up. And what we already said several times is, you know, we need new liquidity in the market to get prices up. You know, we need to go back to that uh, yeah, amount of money before uh, the, the, the the prices can can go up because it's just a a simple uh, cal- calculation uh, uh, thing, and uh, yeah, and we go from there. So we'll see. Um, I'm also wondering what will be with uh, with uh, with the interest increases. Will they continue or not? Because how how to balance an interest increase with stimulus? I mean, that is driving a car where you push push the brake and the gas pedal. So I'm not so sure what will happen here. But uh, yeah, we'll see.
1: Andrew Kashlow, one thing's exciting right now: the sentiment of the market is changing before our eyes. And I saw this this weekend, Johnny. I immediately thought of you. So I'd love to kick it to you for some comments here. There's a really friendly user I have on Twitter. His name is Crypto Heavy. Go follow this guy. He always tags me in fantastic comments. He tagged me in this chart over the weekend. And look at this, Johnny. It is a correlation between the psychology of the market chart that they hand out on Wall Street and the Bitcoin price chart. And as you can tell, we are through the anger, through the depression, and into the disbelief phase, at least according to the price chart. So before we get into some ripple content, we're going to talk about Gary Gensler changing his stance on ETFs as well. But look at this, guys. If this isn't a sign that our users are about to make money, I don't know what is. We are entering the disbelief phase. Then comes hopium, optimism, belief, thrill, euphoria, and your exit plan. Floor is yours, Johnny. I
0: hate to tell everybody, but the, the, the stressful part is about to come for me anyway. Because for me, that that flat sideways period, I call that the accumulation period when everybody else is scared and calling us. Those that's my favorite time when you don't have to make any decisions. You just sit back, you keep buying your DCA. But soon soon and you know that could be the next three to six months we're going to start going into this exact euphoric state where they're going to pump this thing like they've never pumped it before and that's when you have to be ready that's when you got to be on your game you got to be paying attention that's why we created merlin because when that thing's going up if you aren't exiting then guess what you're going to be somebody else's exit liquidity so you either better get out or somebody else is going to get out with your money and that and that's kind of what Gonzo was referring to a little bit earlier. Is you, you have to take profits. You can't think and get into this mindset that this is going to go up, up, up forever. Cause that's what a lot of people think. Everybody's like, Johnny, why would I sell? Why would I want to make the plan? Well, here's why, because I know everybody thinks, you know, all their coins are going to go to, I don't know. Let's say they think XRP is going to go to a hundred or a thousand. That might take 10 years. And the road to get there isn't straight up. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. And there's opportunities to take huge chunks. sometimes generational chunks of money out of there and then reinvest them either in back into crypto or someplace else. And you know, that that's how the smart money does it. The smart money takes out at the top of that chart abs. And if you want to be like smart money, if you want to change your life, if you want to be get into that generational wealth, you have to play the game the way they play it. And again, that's why we've created Merlin to help you play that game, to set your exit strategies now, because this game is based on here. look at it. Every single one of those things on that chart, Read a few of those words. Those are all emotions. The game is rigged against your emotion. You want to win the game? Take your emotions out of it. And that's, again, that's what we, anyway, for me, that's what Maryland does. I don't have to think the more I get the alert. I just go sell. Boom. Done. Um, I
1: want to kick it to you because Johnny broke down exactly why we need an exit plan. Let's discuss why we're entering this phase of disbelief, the hopium, the optimism. All of this is on the precipice from entering this market. And we know the second the charts go up, the marketing campaign begins. CNBC, Fox News, we showed the clips last week. Anytime these markets erupt, the news follows very quickly. So I want to kick it to you. In the comment section, you believe we're in the disbelief phase. What is some of the evidence that points to that besides the price chart?
2: Yeah, you know, I've said this before. I definitely think that the bottom is in. Anything is possible. You keep an open mind. But I think we're entering the phase of the market that when you get a major correction, at least what I'll be doing is dollar cost averaging. Those are the times to buy. You know, you know, I'm still watching total market cap because you see what's happening with the stock market. Right. It's got I think I was looking at this weekend. it's down 10 percent, maybe 10 percent off the top. Right. And so it's we're getting a divergence between crypto and stocks. Right. And so this kind of leans into this theory. And this is why I watch total market cap that a lot of the liquidity that's been moving into the altcoins lately has come from um, I'm sorry. The, uh, the price action for Bitcoin moving up has come from the altcoins, right? It's Bitcoin, Bitcoin dominance rising. And I'm not saying that new money hasn't come in because we do have some new money coming in. But for the most part, a lot of the altcoins have been drained of the liquidity going into Bitcoin. I understand that they, they're kind of moving up. But if you look at like the total three, which is the altcoins that, so the total three that excludes Ethereum and Bitcoin, we're kind of making another high, but it's a lower high, right? So in the total macro, you're going to have some projects that are popping off. But for the total kind of market cap of the altcoins, when we're running like this, we're just making a lower high in the structure, right? And this is why I was talking about overall in the macro, we kind of need liquidity to come back into the market. And that's why I'm watching the total market cap, all the money in crypto to see if we're actually going to like we're at all the highs. Are we going to get rejected and come down or are we actually going to break that and start to move up? Telling us that there's actually new money coming into the market.
1: Well, guys, I'm going to ask for a sign this morning. We got 492 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'm asking for a sign from the universe today. Can we get to 589 live listeners That will be my sign that XRP is breaking all-time high next year. So if you want to contribute to the optimism, smash that like button, get more users in here. And this is what we were just discussing, right? The optimism of the market is about to begin. We are still in the disbelief phase, which is great for our listeners because Bitcoin at $35,000 is relatively low compared to where we'll be over the next two years. And this is a clip that I wanted to correspond with this price chart. As Brad Garlinghouse was discussing why retail investors in cryptocurrency have an opportunity we've never seen before. And Johnny, I'm going to kick it to you and then cash flow right after this video.
4: And uh, The thing that's very different, and uh, I've been out in Silicon Valley for about 20 years. The thing that's very different about what's happening now versus the dot-com bubble is the dot-com bubble, it was the institutional investors who were in, and then retail came on top and priced things up. The exact opposite has happened here. You have retail and kind of speculative interest already in the market. And now you have institutional money starting to come in.
1: That clip was from 2018. Imagine if you applied that to today. And I saw an article this weekend. Van Eyck was predicting $3,000 Solana. I saw a prediction from a U.S. financial firm. $15 $15 trillion total market cap for Bitcoin, and they had the model to prove how that could happen. But Johnny, I'm kicking it straight to you. Brad Garlinghouse said, for the first time ever, people like us have an advantage over the institutions. First of all, do you agree? And second of all, what does that mean for our listeners?
0: First of all, look how young he looks. It's amazing how how much a lawsuit will age you. <laughs> a young looking Brad over there, but a lawsuit will do that to you. The stress is a great amount. But you know, nonetheless, the reality is, He's right. This was a reverse game play, right? A lot of people were in, like the big boys didn't even care about crypto. In fact, it was, it was funny money and digital money. Nobody cared about it. And it was just a bunch of guys, you know, you know, nerds and geeks that were in it. But the reality is it finally turned into something real now. And now we're really seeing it take off. And I'm not so sure what he said back then is true anymore. Today, there are, I think, several institutions, Grayscale and other institutions, large money kind of in, into crypto. I don't think to the extent of which will come in, but no doubt about it that there are certainly, I think some retailers that front run in this market and are ahead of it and are in it early like we all are. Uh, I mean, I didn't get until 2021-ish or 2020, so I'm sure there were some institutions already in ahead of of me as well. But nonetheless, I still think the bulk of the money that's going to come into this space still isn't here yet because of the SEC. And once we start getting approvals, And once we start seeing real adoption, I think you're going to see a ton of money coming in. And what that really means is for once, the little guy, the retailer, if you were in early and you've held on, is going to have a chance, I think, to get, you know, to be able to own some of the rails of this stuff and create generational wealth for their families.
1: Absolutely, guys. And I got to read this comment here because this is an A-plus comment from one of our listeners. It said, Abs, you need to start yelling like BitBoy and having spaz attacks every so often. That's what Johnny Crypto is for, guys. That is why we have Johnny on the show. I think he gives a fair amount of spaz attacks. But Gonzo, I want to kick it to you because I found this video to be so optimistic. It's five years old, but it's perfect for the narratives that we're witnessing today. Retail investors, for the first time ever, have an opportunity to front-run institutional money. And we know all the money is in the banks and financial firms. What do you take away from this news?
2: I think he's absolutely spot on if you see what's taking place, right? And and the buying that's going on with Bitcoin. And then if you feel that you've kind of missed the train, I don't think you have. I think we're still early. You look at the, let's look at the other Chris assets, right? Like think about how early we are with XRP, right? We talk about like institutions actually implementing it and using it, right? We haven't even hit that phase yet. That's how early we are, right? You're, you're able to get in early on Ethereum, on Solana, on some of the other layer ones, right? That they're going to build on top of. So, yeah, I think he's spot on. You just have to be able to pick the right ones, the ones that are still going to be here, right? We're, we're front running them on all the different ISO tokens, right? Um, when you think about it, like we're only at 1.25 trillion, right? We created this market out of nothing, right? From zero to 1.25 trillion. Last bull mark, what, we hit close to 3 trillion the estimates for the next bull run are somewhere between 7 and 10 trillion on the high side right that's a 10x from where we are right now and if you think about like think about where the prices were when we were at 3 trillion right in the middle of the ne- uh, of the last bull run so now imagine 7 to 10 trillion what the prices are going to be right and i'm not i'm not you know telling you to go ahead and FOMO in, you still have to have your investment thesis. But like, that's where we're going. That's, that's where the future is. And, and I just believe that we're very, very early. We're just in the space. So it feels like we've kind of missed it. But, um, but we're still very, very, very early.
1: Absolutely, guys. And this is what I wanted to spend a little bit of time on right now, Gonzo, and get your opinion on this as well. First of all, we're on our way to 589. We are already up to 538 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I know a lot of you are interested in the XRP price chart. And that's what I wanted to focus on for about five minutes right now, because when I look at the XRP price chart, it's clear the momentum of the market has had an effect on this token. And everybody looks at this massive green candle. We know this was July 13th. The XRP lawsuit ended and we went from 47 cents to about 90 cents in value, or at least we wicked up to 93 cents. What we're really waiting for is sustained value. And I think that comes through utility, Gonzo. But for right now, Bitcoin controls the market. And that's why I broke down why Bitcoin reaching a trillion dollar market cap could have a massive impact on tokens like XRP. And when I defer to people like Waters Above, they say that if XRP reaches 70 cents in December, all it's going to take is a $50,000 Bitcoin to get us there. So First of all, when you're looking at the XRP price chart, 2024 is very optimistic, but do you think we have another back test before we enter that bullish momentum?
2: You know, looking at that chart right there, uh, abs, what I see is just, if you go all the way back to like almost at the beginning of the chart, those are just a bunch of lower highs, right? From like right there, from where you're at right now and going all the way to the right. Those are just, you know, we get the up and down, up and down, but you look, they're just higher lows. I mean, not yeah, higher lows, Right. And so to me, it's just building kind of a base, like anything can happen. But, you know, I don't I don't think we go back to like the the 41 cent level. I think that's where the major support. Let's say we get something crazy happens where Bitcoin decides to drop down to like, you know, after it it, it runs up to, let's say, 50K gets a 50 percent correction. We come back to 25. Let's say we come to 20. Then XRP is going to run with it. So if it corrects, it comes back down to its support which is somewhere between 40 or 50, forty or $0.50. Cents. So I, I still think, you know, uh, definitely there, there's opportunity, but like, you know, we're just building structure. XRP moves like this, right? Like we move sideways for the longest time and then it rips up, right? And then we come back down and we find the new support, right? But I think the days of like $0.20 cents or all that, I, I think those days are gone. I mean, obviously anything is possible in the matrix, but for the most part, um, I, I think those lower... Lows are kind of gone in something in the past.
1: Well, $970 billion of stimulus is coming into this market, Johnny. And we know crypto is only going to get a portion of that. But what I wanted to spend a little bit of time on is think about this. The total market cap for XRP today is $29 billion. Right now, BlackRock has $10 trillion in assets under management. And this token during 2021 with the SEC lawsuit, with all the mainstream narratives against the XRP token... Still reached a dollar ninety. So what does that tell me? When bullish momentum enters this market next year, we are going to see XRP break past that dollar ninety point and eventually, in my opinion, test all-time high. Is that what you're seeing before we kick it around the group, Gonzo?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think so. I I think um you, you know, we're going to hit certain resistance levels and you're going to have people that have been holding this token for a long time and there is going to be some profit-taking because they've just been, if they weren't taking profits, then, you know, they're going to look to take some profits. So there are going to be certain levels that we break. But yeah, like the like like I said, what I'm waiting for is for liquidity to come back to the market, for the Fed to start cutting rates, for these altcoins to really start ripping up, right? Because for now, like Bitcoin dominance is rising. The price of Bitcoin is going to rise, and it's still going to continue to suck the liquidity out of the altcoins, right? But there's going to come a point where it's a shift, right? When we get one more correction before the halving, and then we start to run up, eventually the altcoins will do better than Bitcoin. So, yeah, I I mean, yeah, like, but I I think that's all for next year because we still have to look at the macro, right? Look at the stock market, right? What's going on with the stock market? Yeah, I get we get the Bitcoin ETF narrative, right? And what's going on? But at some point, we have to see how Bitcoin's going to react to the macro, right? It's, it's not even a crypto issue anymore, right? It's, it's what's going on in the environment. Is the Fed going to raise rates one more time, two more times? What happens next year? How far down is the stock market going to go or the NASDAQ going to go? And then how is that going to affect Bitcoin, right? So um, I think all those are questions that are going to get answered next year as we get the spot ETF um, approved and then kind of what happens after it gets approved, right? Like, what does that correction look
1: like? Gonzo, you make a great point, but this is what I wanted to focus on for the next couple of minutes because I prefaced this video by saying, this is the most important video of the show. And then we got tech issues two minutes later. So we ended up not playing this video, but believe it or not, guys, this is something I was very excited to play during the episode. And it's Jay Clayton being asked on CNBC about his relationship to, first of all, the Ripple lawsuit. And remember, he exited the next day. Here we go
4: one thing because it's it's something that your critics uh, seem to believe, uh, which is that uh, in your final days at the head of the SEC, uh, the SEC brought a case against Ripple. Uh, Now you're advising some other companies uh, in this space. And uh, they point out or suggest that this is a conflict. Well, let me say that we we brought a number of cases during my tenure at the SEC in the um, ICO space. Um, offerings and securities that we're not following our, our rules around registration for wide distribution to the public. I'm not going to comment specifically on the case you mentioned, but in terms of my after-government uh, service in this space, what I can say is that the, the companies that I advise, um, uh, you know I don't want to be, be promoting them, but uh, one is an institutional asset manager, another is, a, is a, uh, uh, what I would call an infrastructure prior. I did not know these companies um, while I was in the government. Uh, I was introduced to them after I exited, uh, did my due diligence as to whether I would be an advisor and chose to do so.
1: So he did his due diligence after the fact, but he filed a lawsuit against ripple days before entering a competitive firm. And what's so funny is nobody's going to hold him accountable, but Johnny, let's start with you and we'll kick it around the group.
0: Well, I think, uh, Jay Clayton just joined, uh, Gary Dantzler, the both of them just dancing around the questions. We're not going to, you're never going to get an answer. He's not going to tell you why he, uh chose to go after ripple and then jump the next day. So, but it is, it is pretty hypocritical that he did go ahead and do that. And then in terms of, in terms of what you do after you leave office, I'm not so sure there where there is a conflict of interest. If he's no longer in control or in, in, in a power position in the government um, I'm not so sure how there's a conflict of interest there. So I'm not, well, let me
1: outline it for you because uh, to me, it seems fairly obvious he sued a competitor before entering the firm. I know that he's claiming he didn't have any handshake deals behind the scenes, but unless you got a GPS tracker on Jay Clayton, my assumption is that he made backhand deals, handshakes behind the scenes. We'll take out a competitor. We'll give you 7 million. You get an advisor position. That type of stuff is what I kind of see. So yeah, yeah. That, that, that. Yeah,
0: no, no, I agree that there could certainly be an interest there. If they were a competitor to ripple and they were going there for that, that, that would certainly make sense. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, it's just, the whole thing is, is a complete, uh, (laughs) debacle, if you will, in terms of just how the whole thing was played out. It makes no sense. Well, listen, we all know at the end of the day that until we get real rules in place, it's always going to be, you know, who's in control is going to be able to, unfortunately pick winners and losers. Right. And you saw that happen and that's going to continue to happen until we get Congress to do their job. That's the bottom line.
3: You know, this is this is called politics. Politics first class. I mean, I, I give you an example of uh, of our prime minister. He just says into public, I have no active memory about what I said, this this or there, or th- that kind of stuff. And and you know what? They they are gone away with it. The, you know, it, it's the public is accepting it, and the the, the, the the press makes a huge issue out of it, and next day we have another issue. And, and and people just do do what they used to do. So what is it coming to here? It is that you say, okay, don't listen to what they say, see what they do, and do what they do. And exactly, Johnny, I can't agree more with you. What you told, you may, I mean, there is a lot of corruption here going on. And he he was his last act in the in the SEC of Jay Clayton was to to at least to uh to slow down the development of XRP in the US because that was his last yeah final act he could do and then he went to uh to another company and, and became an advisor there and you know we'll never see what happens but it means that there is a lot of a lot of money at stake here and and let let's do our uh, uh best to understand it and that's how we yeah we also explain it here to the public what's what's happening.
1: Gonzo, and I thought that was very, very interesting. What he answered to that question and he said, I didn't have any connection to those firms prior to leaving the SEC. The first thing is, do you take him at his word? I do not, right? He's not under oath. He's on CNBC. Why would he admit to corruption like that? Second of all, what do you think it, it outlines from a shift in sentiment standpoint, right? This is the SEC chairman who filed the original lawsuit against Ripple. Clearly, he's done a 180 on crypto regulation. So how does that impact your perspective?
2: Well, it tells you that overall the narrative has changed, but I keyed it on the same thing that you did, Abs. It's very interesting. He could have said a hundred different things, right? He could have focused on, first of all, like he talks as if like, oh, you know, I brought a lot of kind of legal cases. Nothing is big and more important as the XRP or the Ripple case, right? As far as now we see how it's played out. But I thought it was very interesting that he took the opportunity to like make a note that. Oh, yeah, I worked for these crypto companies or I advised the crypto companies, but I did my due diligence after, right? Which is what we know that Bill Hyman actually didn't do, right? We know that he had an inside track on Ethereum and they made a shit ton of money. And Jay Clayton was part of that. So I think it's really funny that he sits there, that it's in the forefront of his mind to try to spit out an excuse and say, oh, yeah, you know, there was no backdoor deals going on. And I actually did all my due diligence um, you know, after I was the SEC commissioner and now I'm advising these companies, which I think is the exact opposite, right? Cause he took the opportunity to kind of throw that narrative out there.
1: I completely agree with you, Gonzo. And I love this comment from Jim Cramer in the live chat. First of all, Jim Cramer, shout out to you being bearish a month ago, nothing but bullish price action sense. So I hope you're bearish going forward, but he said, this is my favorite lineup. Anytime we got the group on the show, I'm super excited for the episode and check out this latest clip before I kick it back to the group here. Brad Garlinghouse is explaining exactly what Ripple does as a company. And I'm going to explain how that can impact the price of XRP.
4: And that at, at the core, we're we're an enterprise software company. We're selling bank infrastructure uh, that uses blockchain technology to dramatically improve cross-border payments. And that at, at the core, we're we're an enterprise software company. We're selling bank infrastructure uh, that uses blockchain technology to dramatically improve cross-border payments.
1: I love that, Johnny Crypto. I just wanted to spend a couple seconds here and we'll move on.
0: I mean, Abs, that's I love it. He summarized it perfectly. They're a software company providing software solutions. And what I tell you all the time, it's all about cheaper and better. And they found a cheaper, better way to do it through blockchain. And that's what they've invented. The challenge they have is they're trying to sell into an industry that already has an older solution that has tons of partnerships, probably married with the big boys. And now you're trying to get into the wedding party. <laughs> they're like the wedding, you know, think of Rebel like the wedding crashers, right? <laughs> they're trying to get into the wedding that they have they don't belong into because they got a better suit and they're trying to get in there and 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 knock you know some of the big boys off the block. That's a very, very hard thing to do. And so it's and it's a it's a long, it's a long process. It's gonna take time. But I think the thing is the infrastructure is so big and there's so many opportunities in the world as a a whole that if they, you know, if they're unsuccessful, for example, of getting into the U.S. market, then they would go globally. Right. And they've already done that now because of the lawsuit. They were forced to go play outside and they've planted seeds all around the world with their software and its capability and other countries and companies and banks and other industries have tested it and they'll continue and if the ones who find a place for it. We'll probably adopt it if if they ultimately end up having the cheaper, better solution.
1: And think about it. Cheaper, faster, better is always the narrative in corporate America. Obviously, that's going to be the narrative in finance as well. But anybody who knows about the financial industry knows the banks move slower than everyone else. All of these things take longer than people anticipate. And even the Federal Reserve, what they're saying about a CBDC... We actually got to break down an article that reminds me, Gonzo. So I'm kicking it to you for some comments. I'm going to pull up an article about China completing the first oil trade using their digital wand and what that could mean for the United States. But you give me your thoughts here and then we'll move on.
2: Yeah, you know, it's disruptive technology. And like what Johnny's saying, is, you know, they're, they're trying to replace an, exi- an existing system, an existing infrastructure, right? And so far, they've only been able to do that like outside of the US because of everything that's gone on. So it'll be exciting to see who's gonna buy in um, from inside of the US of the major banks, right? Because on the other side of it is why we like Chainlink because what they're offering is something different, right? Uh, Ripple's offering a replacement. What Link is offering with CCIP is using your existing infrastructure where you don't have to replace anything, right? And they'll give you the connection points into blockchain so that you could have faster payments or you could have tokenization and then the banks can still move liquidity from one bank to the other, right? And so I think Johnny's spot on. I think you're gonna get both, right? You're gonna get both technologies that are gonna be out there. Um, I don't think it's like a winner take all situation. Um, I think depending on, on the bank or, or the entity, right? Usually when it comes to new technologies, it's usually like what we're seeing with the CBDC thing that Ripple's been working with, it's usually smaller nations, right? Because they're more willing to, uh, or easier for them to pivot or to buy in into a new system. And then as that gets built out, the bigger guys kind of take notice. And it just depends like the bottom line, right? Is it cheaper for them to replace the system or is it cheaper for them to just build on the existing infrastructure, right? And, and, And those are questions that are gonna be answered
1: in the future. Well, Johnny Crypto, we often draw correspondence between the Amazon price chart and the Ripple or cryptocurrency price chart. This is a great quote we have from Brad Garlinghouse explaining, and this is Ido Farina on T- on Twitter. He said, "Amazon is," or said he said, "Ripple is the Amazon of crypto." Brad Garlinghouse said, "We certainly enter other vertical markets, and we don't just want to be a cross border payment solution. We want to help customers grow and scale their businesses. On demand liquidity does that. Line of credit does that." We will certainly look at verticals and maybe it's insurance, maybe it's trade finance. There are a lot of other examples where blockchain technologies can be brought to bear to reduce the friction and improve efficiencies of those transactions. Cheaper, faster, better. That's what Ripple provides. And guys, for the sake of time, I'm going to move on to this very interesting article here because over the weekend, I saw for the first time ever, China settled an oil trade in the digital yuan. And what does that mean for America. It means that China is already leveraging a central bank digital currency for international trade while we're debating what is this technology on, on our side of the world. So shocking news this weekend, the digital wand takes a giant leap, breaking ground on its first ever use in an oil transaction, a milestone that echoes President uh, Qi I don't know how you say that, vision for Gulf nations on the Shanghai Petroleum Exchange. With 32% of the world's crude oil and 49% of the world's reserves at stake, the future here is digital. And the question I asked our listeners is, are you concerned about the falling global dominance of the US dollar? Because this is a massive move in the wrong direction, guys. And we got 565 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We have a goal. Get to 589 live viewers, and that will be our sign from the universe that we are breaking all-time high for XRP next year. But staying on this topic, Johnny, I saw you shaking your head. You give me your take.
0: Well, first of all, it's President G. That's how you pronounce that. But it is, that is really the beginning of the end for the dollar. The, the, the only thing that held the dollar up after it came off the gold standard was the petrodollar, right? All oil, and it was traded in the U.S. dollar. So any country wanted to buy oil had to use a dollar. Now think about that. That means every country has to hold dollars on their balance sheets. They have to have dollars in their bank account, okay? Now, if you can buy oil in some other form, in some other currency, i.e. this the the one cbdc one well that there that tells you right there that well they're they're testing it out they're preparing it they're showing you there's another alternative now at that point air grounds there that's just going to continue to rise over time and at some point in time that will and we know it we already know the bricks have formed um a challenging world reserve basket of currencies to to challenge the dollar now you're going to have the number one source of where the dollars come from oil being challenged with another alternative supply. If these aren't the kiss of death signs for the dollar, I don't know what it is. If people aren't seen and they aren't awake, and if they're holding on to dollars and not diversifying into other assets, whether it's crypto, gold, silver, real estate, cans of tuna, I don't care, whatever you want to buy, anything other than the dollar, you know, at some point, whenever this whole thing comes crashing down, five, 10 years from now, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get wrecked.
3: Yeah, I th- I think Johnny you, you must emphasize this a little bit too also to the to the viewers and the listeners. It is not tomorrow. It is also not the day after. I think we need at least 10, 20 years where the dollar still plays a dominant role in the world. And it will go slowly, but it will continue. So don't people don't don't think now that you have to exchange your dollars and you have to, to, to empty your bank account and to buy Bitcoin and gold immediately now because tomorrow it's over that's not the case you know okay. but but make your plan and dollar cost average uh, buy every time a little bit and, and and have your plans invest in something that the government cannot print or or you know that that's more or less the direction. And if the dollar will will go lower and lower and lower and you have assets in other values, that value will go up. It doesn't mean that your purchasing power goes up. No, No, not at all. But at least you keep your purchasing power. So, you know, don't panic. There is no need to do that.
0: Don't
1: trip by the dip and gonzo. If I can put a positive perspective on this whole thing, it's the fact that everything is valued against the U.S. dollar. If the U.S. dollar goes down in value, that's great for assets like real estate, crypto, gold. Treasuries, bonds, it's great for the underlying market. But for the everyday consumer, you're going to go and buy your chicken at double the price over the next 18 months. So, is there a positive perspective to this whole thing? And we'll kick it to Johnny.
2: Well, um, as far as what well, you, you want me to go first, Chuck? abs?
1: Yeah. As far as the
2: positive, like if you author Arthur Hayes talk about this and like where we're going, and he talks about like a major, major depression at the end of the decade, before we get to that, we're going to have a hell of a bull run, right? So we're going to get a huge bull run. And so that's where it needs to be, where you position yourself in these better assets, right? Uh, Whether that's gold, whether that's Bitcoin, whether that's real hard assets, real estate, property, whatever it is, you want to make sure you diversify. But um, when you hear Arthur Hayes talk and he talks about that, you know, to me, it makes a lot of sense, especially you see what's going on, you know, with the dollar, like, especially with, as they lose their world reserve uh, currency status. Um, and the only trick in the book is to print money, right? Um, that's all they're going to be able to do, right? Like they're going to be able just to print, 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 and then try to manipulate the interest rates. But at some point they're not going to be able to, to keep that inflation thing under control. Again, like Andrew was saying, this is not happening tomorrow. It's not happening next week. But over time, it's going to be important that you position yourself into real world hard assets.
1: And it's like Johnny says, diversify guys, get a can of tuna, get a get a can of salmon. It's all about storing canned fish during a bear market. But this is what I want to spend time on at the end of the episode. And I love you, Johnny Crypto. This is what I wanted to show our listeners. So in 2019, Gary Genzer was hosting an AMA at MIT and he actually disagreed with how he is currently regulating the crypto market. And I think this just goes to show Gary Gensler doesn't have his own opinion. He's just representing the institutions, putting money in his pocket. Here we go, guys.
4: Bitcoin futures and I think Ethereum futures and so forth will exist. And Bitcoin ETFs have not. And that, that feels a little inconsistent to me uh, as an observer. And I'm now you know in academia, right. but it seems it feels a little inconsistent, even though the laws aren't exactly the same. They're quite similar. Bitcoin futures and I think Ethereum futures and so forth.
1: Will. Although the laws aren't quite the same, they are similar, Johnny Crypto. And the fact that a futures product exists without a spot product, very nuanced, very interesting. It just goes to show the market's evolving right now. We got 523 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. And This is a sign to all of our listeners about the 180 we will see from governments at some point. Is it going to be 2024? That's up for debate. A lot of us believe so. But by the by the beginning of 2030, that when you own nothing and are happy, according to the World Economic Forum, we will see governments become extremely crypto friendly because they can benefit off of the data, right? So it's not like they're looking forward to making us rich. They're looking forward to knowing exactly where you are, what you're buying and what you're identifying with. That's an advantage for governments, right? So Johnny Crypto, I said a lot, floor is yours.
0: Yeah, this is funny. Was this when he was in office, or was this before he was in office? I'm assuming. Uh, this is from MIT, 2019. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, that is <laughs> that is pretty funny. You know, him recognizing that, but then now that he's in office, what has he done to uh, move the the ball forward? Absolutely nothing, um, other than to slow it down even more. It is pretty ironic and pretty hilarious, um, to say the least. But you know, again, this is just, so. This is Gary Wright shifting his opinion because I told you. Now that he's in office, Gary's just doing what what his superiors are telling him what to do um, because he clearly stated there if you listen to what he said, he's basically saying it's kind of awkward to have the futures without having the spot. So what would be the first thing you'd do when you'd come in? you'd probably say, hey, let's bring the spot in right but they haven't brought the spot in. Why? Well, I'll let you I'll leave it up to your imagination on why because it's basically there's a ton of WWE stories on why they haven't done it yet. But the good news is we know it's in the works. we know it's going to happen. Once Blackrock gets involved, there's a probably high probability it's going to happen. out It's just now not. It's. I don't even think it's a matter of if anymore. It's just a matter of when at this point.
1: And I asked our question in the live chat: What will be your first exit target for XRP? I want you guys to answer that question. But Gonzo and Andrew, I'm going to close it out today with this last article as Kraken will share the data of 42,000 users with the IRS. And we talk about how this industry is pro decentralization. Right now, the on and off ramps are what control cryptocurrency. Most people have to go to Coinbase or Kraken or Uphold to buy their crypto. That's an example of how it's centralized. So, for the sake of, for the sake of time, the information will be sent to the IRS in early November. Forty two thousand users' information. Gonzo, what do you take away from this news?
2: Uh, you know what I take away that if you're going to use centralized exchanges, make sure to you know pay your taxes. Or get with your tax professional to find some kind of tax shelter where you can diversify and kind of absorb some of those some of those tax gains right because it's unavoidable they're, they're going to get their money and, and and to me it's not worth it to stress about it that the irs is going to come knocking on my door because they always get their money there are decentralized taxes that you can use like okx and those kind of ones but even those guys are starting to kind of the ones that you don't kyc are starting to lean into like Like in the US, a lot of those decentralized ones, like OKX, you still have to use a VPN, right? So it's just a matter of time before we get like actual regulation where these guys are gonna make you KYC. So to me, like I'm not a tax advisor, but I'm gonna pay my taxes and I'm not gonna worry about it.
3: Uh, Uh, let, Let me give the perspective here in the Netherlands. Why did Binance go away from Netherlands? Because KYC issues and other issues. All the other crypto exchanges currently in the Netherlands, they all comply to the Dutch uh, regulations, which is they need and have to send money to the government. Like your bank also is already doing. There is a special interface from the bank to the government, to the the, the, the to the, uh, uh, just Justice departments, uh, just to send your data. Even your phone data is sent to the government. You know, it, there is nothing new under the sun. So don't think that with crypto your privacy is respected. No, not at all. And I don't care what 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 uh, uh, Gonzo says. Just pay your taxes, do your thing, and and and, and go with it, and uh, and make and make your profits. I love that, Andrew and hey, Johnny. Oh, go ahead.
0: Hey, Abs. Just so you know, so I got this article. Or I got an email from Kraken too, and this just just to kind of go a little deeper to help people understand. This isn't moving forward. This is actually going backward. They are actually going after, and they forced Kraken to give over all sales of anything that you've done from the year 2016 to 2020. So think about that. If you decided you were going to get it on a skirt around not paying your taxes, and you thought you're in the safe now because it's 2020, what are we, 2023, right? Don't forget, the IRS can look back seven years. They're going back seven years all the way to 2016. So if you owned crypto back then and you did trades and you made profits and you thought you skated away, well, you just got snagged because they're going to report everything. And So so the bottom line is this. Whether you're on a, 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 I'll say, uh, a centralized exchange, a decentralized exchange, whatever you're using, don't think you're going to be able to get away from taxes. You're going to get snagged sooner or later because everything's traceable. The best thing to do, whether you're on a, a, a decentralized or a centralized exchange you better report al Capone killed a bunch of people did a lot of criminal activities you know what he went to jail for tax evasion you go to <laughs> your taxes Please get you on taxes pay yep. your freaking taxes if you're watching this show you're a fool if you don't pay your taxes i submitted all my taxes whether it's a, de- a decentralized exchange you have to do that guys don't try to cut corners there you will get caught Always short
1: winded on these responses, my friend. And we got 512 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. This is the question we had in the live chat today, guys, and I'm excited to address it. What is your first exit strategy for XRP? Johnny, stop touching the comments. The first strategy, what is your first exit target for XRP? I had four options listed plus $25. 34% of our live chat is waiting for $25 plus to take their first profit. 32% Thirty-two percent is between four and ten dollars. Twenty-six percent is ten to twenty-five, and only six percent of our voters are below all-time high. That is five hundred and five total votes, guys. But Gonzalo, I'm gonna kick it to you for some comments. Thirty seconds here, we'll close it out.
2: No, that seems pretty legit. Like I think most of my profit taking will be, uh, I think in the teens, fifteen to something. Uh, it will be the most of it as I scale out. So pretty accurate.
1: Thank you so much, guys. And we got 523 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Johnny. And thank you to Andrew Cashflow, the Cashflow King himself. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors Rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us.
0: Let's go.